Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 1075 of the Juicebox Podcast. Okay, so Casey's been living with Lada for a couple of years. She's recently switched from MDI to Omnipod 5. We talked about gut health and that she may have gastroparesis. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Would you like to save 40% off of sheets, towels, and other comfortable things? Go to CozyEarth.com and use the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout. When you make your first purchase of AG1 at DrinkAG1.com slash JUICEBOX, you'll get five free travel packs and a year's supply of vitamin D. And don't forget to check out the private Facebook group, Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes. This one's not going to have any ads, but there will be, at the very end of the recording, information about how you could get started with better help if you're looking for online therapy. Last thing before we get going, if you're an Apple Podcast user, there's been a recent update to the operating system that may have changed your downloads and is stopping you from getting the podcast. Go to the show in Apple Podcasts. The settings you get to by touching the three little dots in the top right corner. Then you choose settings, go to downloads, touch automatic download, and choose all new episodes. Hi, my name is Casey, and I live in the Midwest, and I work as a content creator for a healthcare system. And um, I've been living with Lada for about a year and a half, almost two years now. No kidding. Almost two years? Yeah, yeah almost two years. Two years in um, August. Casey, I'm sorry to do this to you immediately, but I have to text Arden about her blood sugar very quickly. That's fine. It's a little lower than I am comfortable with it being. Go for it. Yeah. Hold on a second. She hasn't eaten anything recently. She was not particularly high before. I guess for context, since we're talking about it, her blood sugar is 50. It looks like the algorithm oh. stopped it. And now, I guess to give people a little back room, I am going to check her location. All right, so she's in class. Is that right? Does anybody else stalk their kid with like, where's my iPhone and stuff like that? I I, I, I do. I'm sure my parents wish they could. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I see where she is. So I am now I'm so she's in class. I just send her a text and be cool because like I said, it looks like the algorithm looks like Loop saw this coming about no kidding. It looks like Loop saw this coming an hour ago and has been cutting her basil for almost an hour and 15 minutes. And she's still on. And it got, and it, it, it stopped. It looks like it stopped here. 
Like I'm looking at the Dexcom graph, inferring from it, I don't think she's gonna get any lower, but I'm gonna get another reading in a minute. And now I'm walking the line between hassling her and making sure she's okay. So send a little text. I'm sure she's already done something about it. We had a conversation, she and I, this weekend where I said, um, hey, if I have to text you about your blood sugar, I said, and you don't answer, and then you don't answer again, and I send a third text, could you not respond, stop? <laughs> Just let me know you got it. Yeah, and yeah. she's like, well, I'm taking care of it, and you're texting. And I was like, well, I don't know about that part of it because I'm here. Mm -hmm. And I was like, please try to put yourself in my position. To which she yeah. said, you should please try to put yourself in my position. <laughs> And I said, well, I think I have. Uh, and, she, and then I, that was a rabbit hole I couldn't get out of because she's like, oh, you think you know what it's like to have diabetes? I'm like, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying I'm, saying I'm trying to, I, I think I understand how it must feel to have your father checking on you like that. I, and, mm. and I said, so I, I do understand, but you have to understand. And she kind of fought me for a minute. And I said, listen, try to imagine there's a thing in the world that you love and you're in charge of it not dying. <laughs> and she's like, uh-huh. Okay, her blood sugar just jumped up like 10 points. So I think she's got this. Yeah. And she goes, um, okay. And I said, now, not only are you in charge of it, but you're the only one aware that it's happening. And she goes, well, I'm aware. And I'm like, unless you're already unconscious. And she goes, what? I said, imagine if all I had to do was call your roommate and it would stop a like a major medical problem from happening. And she's like, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I said, and I didn't do that. And then you died. What would I do? And she pauses and she goes, Dad, I just don't like you bugging me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, okay. It can't give it to you. Exactly, exactly, exactly. All she had to do was go, ah, you make a good point. But she wouldn't give it to me. So, all right, I'm sorry. You live in the Midwest. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Lada for two years. So how did you learn that you had Lada? A little dramatically. Oh, I will say, uh, <laughs> so I had been misdiagnosed as type two, uh, back in 2018 and, or that one's the one that was kind of dramatic. I went to the hospital for a adenoma growing out of my liver that started to bleed. Oh my God. And I had no idea what it's a benign liver tumor of uh, that lots of people get. Mm -hmm. um, but most of the time they don't have symptoms. But mine burst randomly while I was out to dinner with my brother-in-law. So he took me to the hospital because I was like, I can't breathe, nauseous. And they were like, you're bleeding from your liver. And uh, and then they said, we're going to transfer you to another hospital that we would prefer that handles all of our complicated cases. Mm -hmm. cases. Mm -hmm. So while I was there and they stopped the bleeding, but I had all this like internal bleeding that had to resolve itself. So I was in the hospital like a week and they were checking my blood sugars the whole time. And they were always slightly over 100. And this was when I wasn't eating at all because oh. after something like that, like I was not, not hungry, not eating. I just on lots of pain meds and stuff. 
So they were like, you, when you're discharged, you should see your primary care physician about your blood sugar numbers. So I said, okay. And I go see her like a month after I get out of the hospital to check them. And she checks my A1C, I think too. And that's, and it was 10. So she was like, oh, okay. Um, like you're a type two diabetic. So I was treated as a type two diabetic for three years, mm-hmm. um, taking metformin twice a day. And for a while that worked, I didn't have high blood sugars, but then somewhere around the end of like two and a half years in or so, I had a surgery and started taking steroids after it for the recovery. Okay. And it was right after that. I know that's when I, I kind of took a break taking my blood sugars because my A1C had been like 5.56 while I was being treated for type two. So I was like, okay, this is all going great. Things are good. So I stopped (laughs) taking, I stopped finger pricking. I just kind of did what I normally do. Yeah. And then I had surgery and then I was taking steroids. So I was like, oh, I should probably check my blood sugars more now that I'm on steroids. And I didn't start right away, but towards the end of it, I started checking and I was like, oh, these are high numbers I'm seeing higher than I'm used to seeing. But I was like, maybe it's just the steroids. So I kind of waited. I I stopped taking them like after three weeks and then I kept checking and the numbers were still like higher than I remember them ever being. So I reached out to my, I think also right around then I, I started losing weight and okay. I, I lost like 20 pounds in a month. And at first I was like happy I was losing weight because I was like, woo, um, <laughs> I could stand to lose some weight. But then after the, the quickness with which it was dropping was oh, weird. It's alarming, and, yeah. Yeah, unusual. I don't lose weight like that. So I was like, okay, I better reach out to my doctors to be like, hey, my blood sugars are have been high than higher than usual. And so I did. And they were like, oh, make a make a food journal. Let's see what you're eating. So I made a food journal. And meanwhile, I had some other doctors that I was sharing this info with, Mm -hmm. like in appointments. And I was telling them what my blood sugar numbers were like 250, sometimes 300. And they were like, you should see an endocrinologist. They were like, that's too high. Yeah. So in the meantime, I made an appointment with an endocrinologist um, while I was talking to my primary care office about my numbers. And they were like, you know, send this, take take records for a few days. Like the process felt long. And I was like, let me just make this endocrinology appointment in the meantime. Yeah. While you are all talking, I'm going to Go make sure I'm not going to die, if you don't mind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the weight loss, just, I don't remember. I, I think I felt run down mm-hmm. at the time. And and so I got diagnosed after an ER visit, but I had seen the endocrinologist like the week before. And she said, and they tested my A1C. And she was like, it's 10. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah, because when I stopped sense. paying attention to this, it was five and a half. So, yes, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> I was like, I was like 6.5, 5.5 the last time. And yeah, it's been like a year since I really paid it. But 
I was like that there's no way. And she mm-hmm. was like, well, there's a possible way. It's if you don't have type two. So she's like, we're going to do the tests. And they did the test, but she's like, it takes like two weeks to come back. Okay. And she's like, but in the meantime, we're going to put you on long acting. So she gave me like 10 units of long acting to start taking every day. Wow. Did you have a, did you, I guess you found your meter too, huh? You're, yeah. Yeah. You're like, oh, oh, yeah. I'm going to start doing that again. Um, <laughs> How much impact did just that 10 units of long acting have on your on your blood sugar? Not a lot. Okay. Yeah, it, I wouldn't it was like not a lot. And so I was like, huh. So I'm giving myself this and it's not, my sugars are still pretty high. And then it was like maybe four or five days later, I like, I, ha- I had dinner. It was like fried chicken and fries. I started, it was not long, maybe an hour, two hours after I just, I felt like I couldn't collect my thoughts properly. And like, I was really out of it and I was having trouble breathing. Mm -hmm. And so I took my blood sugar and it was 450 maybe. Do you think you were like, is that DKA or is it just how you felt when your blood sugar got very high? I think it was just how I felt when it got high because I went to the hospital that night and they did not say I was in DKA. Huh. I don't discount that at all. Just the altered feelings from very high or very low blood sugars are, they can be terrible. So yeah, yeah, that's interesting. But that did get you to the hospital. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh yeah. Yeah. As soon as, when I saw four, four, I was like, oh no, no, no. Well, actually, (laughs) first I called my sister and I said, because her husband's dad is a diabetic. And I was like, I don't know if this is too high or if this is okay. Like, should I just stay here or should I go? And then she contacted her father-in-law and she was like, he said, you need to go to the hospital now. And so I was like, okay, okay, I'll go to the hospital. You know, they monitored me. They gave me fluids. They didn't even give me insulin. I had told them about how I was being like investigated for not type two and they gave me like IV fluids and stuff and it started, it came down slowly. So mm-hmm. at some point I got to 300 and they were like, okay, we're going to release you. Contact your endo when you get home and let her know what happened. How long does it take you to get that endo appointment? The Well, the first one didn't, I mean, only took me maybe a month the first one. And then after, well, they didn't tell me to go. They said contact her. So I literally reached out on my chart and okay. I was like, Hey, I just went to the ER. I see. My blood sugar was this. And then she was like, we're starting. She was like, okay, we're not going to wait for your results to come in. I'm starting you on fast acting. And the next day she had a script in for fast acting and was telling me. Hmm. When the blood work comes back, you, you have type one diabetes. Yeah. Or a lot of, when the blood work came back, my glutamine acid, the GAD sixty five, the GAD sixty five, yeah, was nine thousand nine hundred. Yeah, so you have and that. I yeah. <laughs> never <laughs> number that high in a blood test. I was like, I'm what? sure that I'm sure that's not right. Well, it just I mean a lot of so much about the the onset and how slow it is, which is why you could get away with them treating you like a type two for so long in the beginning and and you didn't end up in the hospital sooner, but obviously something pushed you a little farther and then there you were. So, yeah, I'm guessing it was the steroids yeah. that, that kind of pushed, pushed into it. But obviously, yes, I had problems and I still had 
And I probably, yes, still, I don't know if that was my honeymoon, like Mm -hmm. those three years that I was like being treated like type two and it was seemingly okay until the end. That's like my guess. Yeah. And then the the liver growth is, and then it, it bursts, right? So you're, you go through like a pretty major trauma that your body has to help with infection. Like I can see that being like how that kind of gets shoved the rest of the way. Um, Do you go to, I mean, they give you insulin, but are you injecting it? Do they talk about a pump? Do you have this weird world where you feel like you're type two? So all this seems really strange. Uh, No, I mean, I, I think I accepted it pretty quickly because I had always been surprised by my type two diagnosis Mm -hmm. in a way. I felt like, because I knew people, other people who were type two and, and I also, since I work in a healthcare setting, I interview people who have type two sometimes for stories. And I just, I see myself as like active and I'm not thin. I'm definitely overweight, but like muscle, lots of muscle. Like I'm like you in that when you said lots of people can't guess your weight or think you're one weight and you're actually heavier. That was me. Like every time I went to the amusement park, I would play that game where they guess your weight because they were always 20 pounds under, 30 pounds sometimes. (laughs) Guess who's winning a stuffed animal today? (laughs) Yes, yes. No one can ever guess my weight. So So funny you said uh, that because I used to do that all the time. I was like, go ahead. Here's an easy one. I'll give you a dollar and then I'll win something. Let's go. (laughs) So I was just like, I don't feel, how can I be type two already? I was just like, I'm, I'm 30. I think I was 37 when that happened. And I was like, I'm, I'm, pretty active it was hard to adjust to the type but i did have diabetes in my family so type it two. wasn't a surprise there's type um, two type two in your family my grandpa had it but i don't know if he was type one or type two i always assumed he was type one okay my mother tells me he was type two mm-hmm. but but i suspect <laughs> how about other autoimmune stuff do you see yes. that with anybody? Yeah, you're giggling. Yeah. yeah. What, what what other stuff? Oh, do you- <laughs> yeah. My family. Oh, besides diabetes, vitiligo, sarcoidosis, lupus, cancer, lots of stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. All so. Right. So, yeah. So then it's not as big of a shift. So you were actually more like, like you, it's funny. You were talking about like, I interview people and you started talking, you said one thing and I thought you were going to go the other way. I thought you were going to say like, I don't hear myself in their stories about type two diabetes. And like, cause I always, oh. I always find that like when people are learning about their, their illnesses or their troubles through other people's stories, you, you can almost learn as much about yourself by going, no, I don't have any of that. Like the thing that they're saying, I don't notice that. Like, then you can go, well, that's probably not that then. But, um, that's interesting. Just basically on the, the high level stuff that people think about, about type two, you just didn't see, you didn't have any, you didn't have any like fitting in with any of that stuff. Maybe the symptoms or the way they they would feel, I just thought, and I know it's a misconception, mm-hmm. that like I would have to be heavier for right. that to happen. Right. Was my biggest thing. Like, cause I would see people that were like twice my size who didn't have type two. And and that's where it would be confusing. Like, how can they <laughs> and they're twice my size, but they're pre-diabetic. Yeah. And they don't even have type two. How can I have type two? Like, I am not getting type two diabetes before her. Like, come on. 
Yeah. No, I understand. I understand, understand it. Yeah, and then I, when they said it's actually like this type, this other type, I was like, well, now that makes so much more sense because I felt like something was weird about me getting the type two diagnosis right. at, at the size and activity level I was. Well, but I could relate to feeling feeling bad a lot. I mean, it's been my entire life. I've struggled with health issues since I was a kid, in and out of hospitals and what other what other things? What were you struggling with? Well, growing so growing up, allergies. I had an asthma. Mm-hmm. I had and I didn't know I had the allergies till I got to college and I went and got tested. But back then, when I was younger, I would every other month I would get a sinus infection and an ear infection and bronchitis. And so the hospital felt like a second home because I like I remember so many times waking up in the middle of the night, like I can't breathe. And my mom would take me to the hospital and we'd they'd give me a breathing treatment and then they'd say, You have a sinus infection, and then they'd give us antibiotics and then you know things would clear up and I would breathe better and I would be okay but it would happen literally every other month how about that okay yeah yeah that that doesn't sound surprising either to me when people say allergies related to their autoimmune like I have autoimmune I also have allergies I always think well yeah well that's an autoimmune response to something that's over and above what it should that's what an allergic reaction is right Mm -hmm. and that Mm -hmm. just makes sense and then the infections do you feel better now since you have a diagnosis and you're using insulin? Yeah, I definitely feel better uh, in that I'm not as tired. I would have lots of issues with sleepiness before I got diagnosed. Like I, and you, you talked about it in an earlier podcast about how you were the person that was like always sleeping mm-hmm. um, before your like anemia um, stuff. And that, that was me for a very long time from college on until my diagnosis, like tired all the time, looking for nap opportunities every day. Some of my jobs that I had, I would on my lunch break, like scarf down lunch so that I could take a nap for the second half of lunch and then go back to work. Because if I did not take a nap, I would risk falling asleep. Uh-huh. Like while driving, I fell asleep twice while driving. Oh, I've done that too. That's not mm-hmm. a thing you usually tell people. I fell asleep in yeah. the left lane on I-95 in Pennsylvania and oh. woke up in the right lane going into the yeah. show going into the show. Isn't that so terrifying? Yeah. Yeah, it was really yeah. and I was young by the way when that happened. So, like yeah. in my early 20s. It just didn't, yeah, make, no, me didn't make any sense. I'd only been awake for like an hour and a half in the morning. Like, mm-hmm. I should have been okay, you know? Yeah. It's funny when you look back and you can see, like, oh, this has been happening for a while. It's sometimes you just kind of power through it. And sometimes it's just you're so young, it's almost like you can make the best of it. I don't know if that's the right way to think of it or not. But yeah, I became a big Red Bull drinker. Um, as like the second time I fell asleep, I almost drifted into the oncoming lane when I woke up and then corrected myself. So that scared me enough to be like, okay, one, I need to see a doctor about how tired I am. And two, I'm going to start drinking Red Bull. So (laughs) It's going to get jacked up on caffeine. It's going to be fun. And I'm going to make sure I nap after because it was like lunch always did it. It was eating that always just made me so tired. I wonder if it was your blood sugar a little bit, maybe. Maybe your oh, blood yeah, sugar, no, yeah, 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 right? 
like, I don't know how, how long ago could I have had blood sugar issues, but now I suspect, yeah, it had something to do with maybe high blood sugar after eating. And then that's why I was getting so tired. Hmm. Well, that's really crazy. Um, how do you manage today? What do you do? Do you still injections or you have a pump? Uh, so I just got a pump. Um, I got the Omnipod five two months ago. Oh, cool. How do you like it? So, uh, I love the convenience of it. Mm-hmm. I love that I feel less stressed giving myself than when I had to do injections. Cause I was doing like eight, eight or nine injections a day to try and keep my, like the bumping and nudging and the, yeah. a lot to keep myself in a good range. And so just not having to do that many shots a day is, has been so nice and I do feel like I have more not calmness but like I I I stress less about sleeping and going low and but I will say I got my A1C checked yesterday and I am higher than when I was MDI so you were so like you were so kind of like on top of it like correcting small probably you were probably correcting numbers that now the algorithm doesn't touch Maybe. Did you hear my series about setting it up before you set it up? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I and, did. And that helped. But where are you having the problem? Is it after meals or is it with correcting blood sugars or where does it get you? I think both. So it's like, I, I feel like I'm, I go high and I just stay there a while. And, and I ask it like, um, you know, do I need to, another bolus? And it'll say no based on my correction factor, but then it'll still stay high. So I guess, I, you know, need to keep doing more work on adjusting my correction factor well, because it changes so often. Yeah, I was going to say, is it with every meal or is it with certain foods? I feel like it's more certain times of the month. Ah. Like that's hormonal. It's, yes, it's definitely, there's definitely a lot of hormonal stuff involved. So like certain days, like I have a beautiful day and everything's perfect and I, at, because my hormones are working great (laughs) or overloading or whatever they're doing. Like um, everything's, and then, so it's figuring out when the fluctuations happen, where things change and I need to up my settings. That's been a big challenge. Yeah. Have you tried, um, sorry, I know we've known each other now for like 25 minutes, but (laughs) have you, do you have a period tracker? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're tracking your like because if you track your blood sugars in your period tracker, it should only take you a month or two to figure out like these are the days, and then you're on an algorithm, so you have to get around it somehow. Like maybe you, I don't know, maybe you pick a percentage, um, ten, twenty percent, and if you, I don't know, say you're having ten carbs, call it twelve carbs. You're having twenty carbs, call it twenty four carbs, and stuff like that, and see if you can't find a balance in there that works in that window when you have a, a greater need for insulin. Mm-hmm. Could help. Yeah, yeah. No, it 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 took a whole long time. I mean, I did when I was first diagnosed. Like, I had no. They gave me no info about how. Mm-hmm. your hormones a woman's hormones can affect and so i for the first 6 months i mean i i was like i didn't understand so like why certain days things worked and certain days things didn't and so now i definitely understand it a lot more but 
still <laughs> find myself having trouble figuring, okay, exactly seven days before my period, I need to change it to this. Exactly two days after it ends, I need to change it to this. Exactly 10 days at like, that's what yeah. I'm trying to Yeah, and and that's hard because it can go back and forth. It, it's not always three days or two days or, you know, five or whatever. And it's yeah. sometimes you just see it happening. And you go, okay, this is, here it comes. And mm-hmm. and now I'll be, because you were doing it with MDI, right? Like because when you were seeing those arises before you were giving yourself more insulin. Yeah. Yeah. But with the, yeah. the algorithm makes it feel like, oh, it's supposed to take care of it. Yeah. So I feel like there are definitely times where I don't think I think less about it or check it less. And then I check it and then I'm like, oh, I've been at 200 for like two hours now. Mm-hmm. I had assumed the algorithm would have brought me down by now or in that time. And so that's where I feel like the algorithm is not bringing me down very well. Yeah. No, um, none of them. Listen, the tr- I think the truth <laughs> is, is that none of them are going to just do that because your need, your need changed. Like it, it's no different, no different if you have like an influx of, of hormonal impact than if you decided to eat 20 carbs and not announce it to the, to the device. Like it's the okay. same thing. Like there's, there's, a thing pushing your blood sugar up that it's completely unaware of. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, well, you know, because you said like on other weeks, you have like real smooth going away from the hormones. So it's, it, it says to itself, like, look, I'm doing the thing I did last week and it worked fine. It's not working now. It doesn't just make the decision to give you more right away. And mm-hmm. and that's where you almost have to come in and like say, hey, look, there's more of a need here than you know about. There are some people with Omnipod 5 to say, um, like we'll make a manual correction, like just do what you would have done like before and then let it see that you need more insulin. There are people who say, I throw it in a manual mode and push it down. I mean, the same thing happens with Arden with um, Loop. She has those times of the month and she uses overrides and extra insulin and all kinds of stuff to get on top of it. So mm-hmm. it's, it's not it's not specific to one device. It's specific. Okay. Speci- Everyone's struggling. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's specific to the idea that you told the machine that's pretty much still a pretty dumb machine. You told it these are the numbers, and this is what you do when you see this many carbs. There's no like part of it that says except on the third week this of the day. month. Yeah, yeah. When this happens, and that's that's what you're fighting against. And I asked, I I asked my doctors like, oh, can I set like different profiles to figure out what different times of the month but they were like oh no with omnipod like it's doing that for you so you don't but you do need to like go in and manually change your ratios so that's so you have to be careful you have to be careful too because you there are settings in omnipod that you if you change them you're changing them for the manual mode that is not changing them for the auto mode Mm. you know because it's deciding like if like clear example you set the pot up and you told it, like, I need a unit an hour of basil. I I need 24-day unit an hour. And it goes, okay. And then it you puts it on and then it starts making decisions automatically. It might be giving you 1.2 an hour in basil or 0.7. Like, it, it might be doing something different. If you go back in and suddenly say, you know what, I want to make my basil 1.5 an hour, just trying to use big numbers, and mm-hmm. put it back in auto, it's still going to say, um, I think she needs 0.7. But you have to be careful because if you keep pushing those numbers up and suddenly swap it over into manual, you'll be using a lot more insulin if okay. if you turn them up. So, yeah, be real clear about that. Go through the documentation clearly. 
changing the settings doesn't change the algorithm. Changing the settings changes the manual settings. Okay. So if you feel like you just in general need more, some people end up doing a reset and being more aggressive up front with how much they tell it it needs. There's a pretty good episode about resetting in the podcast somewhere. Yeah, I may. I mean, I know I start I started when my insulin needs were the least amount. Mm-hmm. When the week I started. Yeah. And so but then the doctors also told me it changes like every 3 days. Like the pod is lear- learns what you need based on every three days. Yeah. I think legally they avoid the word learning, but, um, (laughs) but it, it, it's making decisions based on the, the, I think the pods that came just before it. The previous. Yeah. So that's also, you know, you could end up seeing at the end of a period, for example, like if you had a really heavy need and it was keeping up with it, then all of a sudden the need dropped off, but the last pod had that need, you might even see a lower blood sugar in that scenario. So Mm -hmm. it is, I mean, it would be nice if everyone's bodies just did the same thing every day. <laughs> All the time. How, we, know, how can we yeah. make that happen? That'd be wonderful. Yeah. But anyway, also, I wanted to say, like, you've only been using it for two months, too. Yeah. So you're still learning about it as well. But I would, just me personally, if you were if you were Arden and you had a high blood sugar, I'd say to make a manual correction. Like okay. that, That's what I would do. I'd make a, I'd, I would say, look, my blood sugar is 200. My correction ratio is blah, blah, blah. I'm going to put this insulin in. Hopefully the algorithm can stop it. If it can, I'll stop it with with food, but I'm not going to stare at a high blood sugar like this. And then it will see your total daily insulin go up and that will make it more aggressive. Okay. That makes sense? Yeah, that does. Cool. Uh, Nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan. Tell me what you do for a living. Why do you, you you said you make content uh, for for a medical institution? Yeah. So I work for a healthcare system, a system of hospitals and um, healthcare facilities. And I am a video producer. So I do something very similar to what you do in that I interview lots of patients about their diagnoses and uh, their journey, healthcare journey, and create, turn those into videos that help, help other people see how things work uh where we are and it's really fun to get to talk to people and you're hearing a lot of them talking about things that are you know not the most pleasant because they're talking about health stuff and um you know they've all had major health conditions but i think because of all the stuff i've gone through i can relate to a lot of the things that they talk about and, you know, when I come to them or when they come to me, they're on the other side of a lot of it. And so it's talking about how the positive place they are in now versus where they started. Mm. So um, so it's really fun to get to tell those stories. And But I also, ha- <laughs> my doctor says I sound like her medical students. Um, like I, I do a story with someone and I'm like, do I have that? Could I have that? <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's a little bit of hype. My husband calls me a hypochondriac. Um, my like, finger well, bends in the middle too. Hold on a second. I'm like, you're only a hypochondriac if nothing's wrong with you. Right. Yeah, exactly. If you're right, then you're just a genius. So like, I have a reason to be worried about lots of things. <laughs> do you actually see like when they're talking, do you think, oh, I have that or does it just make you nervous? 
there are times I've wondered, do I have that? Like when I, I remember doing some stories on PAD, peripheral artery disease, and some of the, the symptoms they were describing about their legs. And now I'm like, it's probably a blood sugar issue slash <laughs> slash slash like my anemia. But I would have like leg issues. Right. And I was like, could this be PAD? But then I got tested and found out I was anemic. And so I was like, oh, okay. The anemia is probably the reason for some of my leg symptoms, not PAD. Mm-hmm. But since I just did a story on PAD, I was like, maybe I have PAD. Who knows? Starts going in that direction. You're like, well, this is this could definitely be it. I could definitely have this thing that I don't even know what that stands for. Because late, yeah, no, it's crazy. By the way, if I sound confused ever, your voice is very similar to my son's girlfriend's. And it throws me oh. it throws me off once in a while um, okay. yeah so i'm like every once in a while i'm like that's not her just keep focus scott um anyway so you're almost like kind of making content for like an e- your own ecosystem it, yeah yeah and so do you deliver it to patients do you also interview doctors is it yeah like um is it hospital wide or is it do you go from like department to department how do you handle all that yeah, no, we um, the content we make goes out on social media. It goes out to our employees, internal content, um, YouTube, web pages for the health system. So it goes in a lot of places. So yeah, I spend my time interviewing patients, doctors, anyone affiliated with the healthcare system about some type of story that is worth telling. Yeah. And so I say, I feel like I'm the news team. I'm on the news team for the healthcare system. And yeah, like, for, it's like we're their personal news team covering all of the stories within the health system. That's exactly how it struck me. I was, it's like your, like your, your own social media ecosystem for, yeah. for the system. And, and you get to, I mean, the value behind sharing stories with people like, okay, we joke that you are like, I have thrombosis, but you might not. But other people can hear that and go, I'll be damned, I do have that. And yeah. and and lead them to at least a checkup to find out if not. You probably end up it's a great way to reach people. That's the goal. Yeah. Um, is for someone to listen to it and say, Oh, that sounds like me. Maybe I should get that checked out. Mm-hmm. Now I can't I mean, I can't tell you, like, I don't know that I can completely quantify how bold over I am by how impactful the podcast is for people. Like, it's like it was a hope, but I just didn't realize there's something about this kind of medium and reaching people where they are and they don't have to come to something or take a class or it's on their time or however you kind of like want to look at it. It's so it's just valuable. It's the only word I can come up with. And I just I'm I'm thrilled that that it's being done. Have you been doing this a long time for them? Uh, Yeah, four four or five years now. Wow. Well, that's really great. Um, Yeah. Are you like a a sound snob or like like when you hear me complain about noises, you're like, that's right, Scott. There should be no background noises whatsoever. Well, I understand the the you know struggle because even in our studio, we have a door next door where it's like, oh, if that door slams in the middle of our, we have to tell people, can you back it up and just say that one more time? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Except you don't leave it in like I do. I, I I'm, oh, like, I'm like, just do it again. Just you just said something about your mom. Just go right back to it, please, because my wife can't keep that dog from barking. So uh, yeah, <laughs> it's hilarious. 
Uh, I have another question about this. Uh, where did it just go? Damn it. Um, oh, lawyers. Everything you make goes through lawyers? No. No. Wow, that's terrific. No. So you don't have to make content, ship it off to a lawyer, and then they come back and say it 23 seconds till 27 seconds. No. Oh. Although I have heard that some people at, at health institutions do have to do that and then yeah and then the legal's like no this no that and no we don't have to do that where i'm at so i'm thankful that's terrific it, it's interesting to see as time progresses different entities get it like they they finally understand they're like okay yeah every word doesn't have to be so precise if we make them so precise no one wants to hear most of the people i work with when i do stuff like that they, they do get it, but back in the mm -hmm. day, it was like, we'll record it and give it to us. I'm like, I'm not doing that. Like, if you want to come on and do an interview, you can come on and do an interview, but you don't get to have it before it goes up. Like, it, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, we said this thing here. There was one time, it's been such a long time now, but gentlemen came on to talk about a drug that was under development. And... I put the episode up. It was terrific, by the way. It's a very popular episode, and the drug is actually really helpful to people and everything. I'm trying not to be too specific. But I put the episode up, and like five or six hours later, I get this email, and then it's a, can you speak on the phone? I get on the phone, and the guy's like, my lawyers are screaming at me about oh. this thing I said. And and I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, well, you know, well, what, what, what do we do, you know? And and he's like, they're so afraid that the FDA and blah, blah, blah. And it was never a problem, but it was just, okay. I swear to you, it was like a SWAT team of people who went to school <laughs> to be lawyers descended on me. <laughs> I'm like, first of all, he said it. Secondly, I don't hear the difference between what he said and what you're saying right now. So, you know, like maybe is everyone just trying to like make a job for themselves? Like I couldn't tell exactly, you know, ended up being fine, but I was just wondering. I mean, we do check everything. Like, well, yeah. you know, we've got the doctors checking it, marketing yeah. checking it. But yeah, we don't have to send it to legal. And we're very thankful for that. <laughs> very cool. That's really wonderful. That's a very progressive idea, actually. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we pump out stuff. Uh, like, I think last time during the pandemic, it was 250 videos a year. Wow. On average, we were making. So it's like, we're going way too fast for legal to, ch <laughs> they to check even, everything. They're like, it must be okay. Like lawyers with contracts, they're just like, yeah, it's probably fine. Actually, you know how that just made me laugh? I put up this uh, post today on Facebook. I was feeling whimsical. And I was like, um, here, I'm going to admit something. Then we can all admit something. It'll be fun to like share a secret. So mm -hmm. I, I said, um, I said, in 2013, I wrote a book about being a stay-at-home parent. And when people ask me how long it took to write the book, I always, I tell them six months, which is mostly the truth. Mm -hmm. If you don't count the 60 days it took me to learn how to type before I made the, before I started <laughs> writing the book. I saw that post. <laughs> anyway, so then, then it just, it it's a cascade of people like saying embarrassing things about themselves. And mm -hmm. then one person tells a story about uh, an attorney in their office who kind of left somewhere on bad terms. I'm getting this a little right and a little wrong, but they went into contracts and put a bunch of dirty words into contracts that they used over and over again, knowing that no one would ever read them again. And it just, oh. it tickled them to think that people's contracts would have like foul language. In them. <laughs> Made me laugh. 
one woman said she kicked her husband in the face during a sexual act. That's a great story. If you're not on the Facebook group, you definitely should be. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, anyway, it's good times. But uh, but that just made me made me think of that for some reason about the the lawyers and the contracts and everything. So I saw that, and I was trying to think of a funny story that I had, but I couldn't think of an appropriate one. <laughs> <laughs> one person said, "I cannot share this here if it's not anonymous." And I was like. <laughs> I get you. Uh, I just think sometimes it's just helpful for people to just blow off some steam and be silly and stuff like that. Mm, so, yeah. Um, plus, look at the humble brag I did. I was like, you know, I wrote a book. <laughs> <laughs> I found a way to be like, don't forget, I'm a published author. <laughs> push that in there. Yeah. I wasn't really doing that. I was really just trying to give it context. Like, how ridiculous is it? I was 40 years old, about 40 mm. or 41 years old. I had made the agreement with the publisher. I'm like, yeah, I'll write this book. And then I had to, I'd never learned how to type. So I had to get one of those typing teacher programs and like go through kids like steps of like, I okay. learned to type with like a dinosaur in front of me being like, yeah. no, push the D and I'm like, I'm trying. <laughs> so anyway, well, I, listen, I don't know why I'm not being hired for things like this at other healthcare <laughs> systems. Why am I not interviewing people at healthcare systems? You could, if you wanted to get a job at a healthcare system, you, I'm sure you could. Casey, I'm busy. They're I can't do it. making podcasts, videos. All kinds of content. Why are they not tapping me? I, by the way, I've heard. Let me just not not you, Casey, but other people. <laughs> I've heard some of your content, and it's garbage. And you could, you could easily do with a person who can direct a conversation like me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Watch me be petty for a second, but in the if, for, for humor, always for humor. This thing comes up. It's not important what it is. It's a doctor and somebody they work with. And a person interviewing them. And the mm -hmm. doctor comes on and says, the problem with this space, I'm going to be very vague, is that the information is boring. And people can't absorb it because it's so boring. And then for about the next 10 minutes, the guy goes on to be so freaking boring and, never, <laughs> and, and doesn't get to the point, right? Mm -hmm. Then says... And I'm, I, again, I'll stay vague. Then says, and I figured out what the answer is, and I'm going to give it to you without being boring. And I was like, my God, man, you've already spent 10 minutes. Like, I'm only, I'm <laughs> Too only, late. oh my God. Casey, I'm only watching now because I, it's making me feel good about myself. I'm like, I am great at this. Like, this is terrible. And so, um, and then they go on to say something that I think, so it was around diabetes. I think I might have said this 10 years ago. And the and the guy says, we've just concluded a long study that says for sure, and then says something that 10 years ago, I was like, it, this is definitely real right here. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, how long have you been working on this? <laughs> and it was not exactly a deep thing. It was like one of those things that when he said it, I went, yeah, duh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, we know that. Yeah, mm -hmm. and you bored the crap out of me while you were doing it, which just makes it hilarious. So now I'm watching it and I'm laughing, just mm -hmm. because of the ridiculousness of it. Like he's, like I'm, you know, you know what the problem is? Everything's boring. Then goes on to bore the tears out of you, and I'm giggling. And my wife's like, "We're in bed. It's late at night. Like she's doing her word thing, and I'm watching this, and uh, she's like, "What's so funny?" I was like, "Oh my god, I couldn't breathe. I was like, this is ridiculous." <laughs> And I, I took the thing off and I played it back for her. My wife's a much nicer person than I am. Mm -hmm. And she's just like, but he's so boring. And I was like, no, I know. That's why it's funny. <laughs> she's, 
He's then she didn't laugh. At other people. Then she didn't laugh. She's like, you're being mean to him. I'm like, he can't hear me. It's just <laughs> you and me. It's not mean if he doesn't know. It's mean, Casey, if later I tell it on a podcast, maybe. But anyway, I think I should be being hired by these hospitals. I'll talk to your people. We'll do yeah, a nice you thing. Yeah, could be. I'm uh, sure you would right, be. Yeah. Right, again, I'm busy. I can't do it. But um, <laughs> <laughs> what, what made you want to come on the podcast? I could hear a lot of stuff that people would say that sounded a lot like me. So I guess that was part of it. Like, oh, I can relate so much. But also just like the frustration around, I mean, I had so many misdiagnoses in my lifetime. And so I just, if I could help someone like figure something out or, or work through something at all, it's nice to feel like you're giving back after you have kind of come to the place where you need to be. And it took me a long time to get there. Um, and with a lot of missteps, I mean, I was, I was diagnosed with narcolepsy, uh, besides type two. Didn't have that. No, didn't right. have that. Right. And I think it was all again, blood sugar related. Yeah. I was passing out all the time and I would just like go to sleep so quickly and, and I would have these instances where my body would, they called it cataplexy, where my body would, like, I just couldn't control it. I couldn't hold myself up. I would spasm. And I think now maybe could have been low blood sugar. Oh, um, wow. I'm looking at it. Yeah, like it, it's kind of a collapsing of your body, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, good. And I would spin out, like, I would get into a fight with my mom. I remember that would trigger it a bunch. Like I would get, I would be arguing or something. And then I would be like, I can't, like I had to have to lie down and I couldn't, I would just have to lie there and I would, my body would just like seize every like 30 seconds or something huh. for and maybe an hour and or two. And then I'd feel okay. And then I'd be able to like go to bed, go to sleep. And then the next day feel fine. Hmm. Or like I'd be out with my we'd be out shopping and it's a long day and my legs would feel like jello and I would be like, I can't walk. Like I literally need to hold on to something to walk. Yeah. And so that's what we were thinking was cataplexy. Mm -hmm. Um, but now I wonder, was it low blood sugar? Sounds, I mean, just from the visuals I found online about it, it certainly seems like your body just like a marionette that somebody pulls the strings like loose on. You just kind of collapse. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. And then when I finally started to figure it out, Apple, like I was with my, and it happened. I was like, my legs are weak. I can't I, I, like, and I was like, go get me apple juice. And then he did. And 20 minutes later, I was like, oh, I feel great. I feel fine. Yeah. Hey, in your late thirties, why the heck are you arguing with your mom? That's that's the that's the only thing I was like I'm like that's my only follow up question like what do you mean? oh oh my mom's a lot she's great but it, um yeah lots of high expectations I see I was like I was just like I'm like I'm like Casey's 37 arguing with her mom ask about that that's what I want to know about <laughs> high expectations uh, um, yes or and no she's one of those people just like. You know, the people who tell you to have cinnamon for your diabetes, like oh. she's kind of one of those. Oh, I'm sorry. So we get it. Yeah. So we get in arguments a lot or we used to get in arguments a lot over okay. health stuff. Yeah. Um, 
especially so <laughs> i prayed but, for you today and i bought okra <laughs> great mom thanks you, yeah 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 <laughs> did you take that supplement i sent you like mm-hmm. and so yeah, yeah. it just yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. Unless Jesus is going to come with a time machine, it's not going to help me a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Appreciate your input, though. You know, you're making me think that we're just starting uh, pretty soon. Jenny and I are going to start a, a Mythbuster series about diabetes where we're going to just tell, like, we're going to talk about the funniest things that you hear uh, about diabetes and kind of oh, that's a good one. break them down and stuff like that. It was actually a, yeah. lis- a listener's idea. Um, yeah, yeah it was, I, I was like, that's such a good idea. Then I, I walked away. I was like, why did I not think of that first? Uh, but I was like, I'm stealing that. Is that okay? And they're like, yeah, sure. I was like, well, I'm doing it. Um, okay. Do you have people in your family that are helping? Like you said, you're married. I heard you say that a couple of times. So mm-hmm. yeah. I, I'm always interested in that. Like you're diagnosed as an adult. Do you go back to a loved one and say, I need help with this? Or do you kind of turtle up and take care of it on your own? Is there somewhere in the middle? Yeah, I mean, I think I I took a lot of it on myself in general just because I, I don't know. I guess my husband likes to say that I, sh- I should have gone to med school, that he's like, you, won't, you know you just want to be a doctor. Um, <laughs> and so I think I shouldered a lot of it myself because I could figure it out and understand it and work on it myself. And I didn't... And, necessarily expect him to do all that but he did i did have him learn how to give me shots okay so like sometimes he would do my insulin in if i wanted to do it like in the back like on my butt or something or like the back of my arm i would have him so that was really great he'll give me a shot if i don't want to do it or it's a hard to reach place um, and then he, he he follows me on Dexcom, although we need to figure there's some kind of Dexcom issue that he, we're still working through. But he can generally see me on Dexcom. But yeah, so I, I don't ha- ask him to do a lot, but he is a participant and he gets to hear me talk about it all the time. <laughs> yeah. I, and again, as a guy, all I heard was like he figured out how to get the back of your pants down using the diabetes really all i heard i was like oh he's like oh i i can see your butt extra sure i'll learn about this <laughs> why not <laughs> he was be disappointed when it's the arm ones that i asked yeah for. <laughs> hey i need a shot he comes running out of the room he's like oh finally is my time this is great and then you're like here right in my arm you're like wow well this is a waste <laughs> i can see your arm regular across the room what the heck uh, that's nice though like i mean uh, so enough involvement that you that he has some comfort and you have mm-hmm. some comfort, but he's yeah. not he's not a overseer and he's not a like a caregiver yeah. for you. I think yeah. that's I think that's reasonable. I think that sounds like a good mix, honestly. Yeah, it's been working yeah. well for us. Did you have the this is how my glucagon works talk? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, and he saw me use it. I've used it once. Really? Since yeah. Which one did you have? You, you mean glucagon wait. or ba- bas? I don't know how to say it, Basquimi. Yeah, Givoke, or is it Basquimi? Oh, okay, yeah. Givoke, I have Givoke. Oh, okay. And you used it, so you were like, "Uh uh-oh, it's happening, I'm using this? Yeah, there was one day, I was MDI still, and like my blood sugar was just, it had got to 40, and I had been eating, for 20, 30 minutes, I had been, I had eaten 20, 30 minutes before, like taking and stuff and i was just like i'm so full i can't 
physically put any more in my body and it's not coming up. So I was like, okay, I think this is the time. So I got my, my husband was lying. I mean, I was like lying on the bed and I was like, I feel so horrible, but it's not coming up. And I was like, I think I just need to do it. So I, I did it and it it did come up, but even then it still took like 15 minutes to come up. Wow. You were really in a situation. Do you think yeah. You... I don't even remember how I got there. Yeah, like oh, I, oh, really? I was like, how did it get that? <laughs> but somehow it did. I mean, nighttime can always be tricky with me. Like I feel like if I'm going to go low, it's at night. Mm-hmm. So do you, and you, but you're not seeing, well, are you not seeing as much of that with the algorithm or are you just less scared of it? Cause you said earlier you were less scared, but. Yeah, no, I'm not seeing as much. Or if I go low, I I can drink some like glucose juice and Comes come back. out of it. Yeah, pretty quickly. So I haven't had like a stubborn low like mm. I did that that time. Interesting. Well, so that's good. Listen, I'm glad you had it. And it was uh, and it was helpful for you. You you've said a couple of things over the last hour that make me feel like you actually listened to this podcast. So how did you find it? I have a, so I used to work in uh, TV news and um, one of the anchors that I worked with has a daughter who has type one and she had always posted about stuff. Um, And when I got diagnosed, I reached out to her to kind of be like, hey, I saw that, because I didn't know a lot of people, but I, I like I saw that you have a daughter with type one. Like I just got diagnosed with Lada. If you have any suggestions or anything I should check out, let me know. And she was the one who told me, check out the Juice Box podcast. Oh, that's cool. And I didn't do it right away. It took me like six, it took me a good four months maybe. Cause I think just when I was diagnosed, like there was so much, yeah. so much stuff that changed all overnight that like I couldn't handle like listening. I needed to just like find a balance with what I'd been told so far and get a handle on that before Right, I was like ready to like, but oh, I'm so glad I did because there were so many things I was doing wrong. Oh my goodness. And all of these things that had happened that I didn't understand the episodes on the factors that affect your blood sugar, like just figuring out a lot of those made such a big difference. And so it was just life changing to, cause this wasn't stuff we were talking about in the doctor's office sure. or, and so I, I feel like I, yeah, got a lot better handle on how to manage it from listening to the podcast for sure, but it took me some time to get there. Yeah. I, I think that makes sense. Honestly, like, I mean, I can't imagine like just put it into another situation. Like, you know, you, you just found out you have something, it doesn't go away. And then someone, and you're like, you reach out to somebody you're like, do you have any advice? I'm like, listen to a podcast. You're like, wait, what? Like, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm, not doing, I'm not doing that. I don't even no, have enough add time. it to my list. Yeah, yeah. Add it to my enough, list of things. <laughs> I have enough time for my true crime podcast, which I, by the way, really want to listen to. And, you know, it's interesting because I can get caught. I try very hard not to get caught on one side of this conversation because it happens to me sometimes. Like, I'm the one who makes it. I know what it can do for people. I've seen the feedback come for years and everything. And you see somebody who's like, I don't have time to listen to a podcast. And there's like the part of me that makes it is like, come on. Like, 
like, what am I going to do? Like, I got you all the way to the water. I can't get you to drink it. Like, you know, like it's because it's hard to find people, get them to believe like, okay, this podcast might be worth listening to then to listen long enough. Like, what if you fall on one of the episodes where I'm an ass? You don't know. You know what I mean? Like you have you might, to be in a receptive mode. Right, right. Yeah, you just have to be ready for it. But it's um and, and that makes complete sense to me. On my side of it, there I can sometimes in my own head be like, just listen to it. You, you know, like I never say mm-hmm. that out loud, but yeah, you know, when somebody comes to me online, they're like, I don't have enough like they ask a question about like, hey, I'm super low every day. And I'm like, Yeah, here's 10 episodes. It's right in the middle of the pro tip series, that'll help you. Yeah. Like, I don't have time for that. And I'm like, Well, yeah. Like, I come to your house? Like, you know, like, <laughs> you want me to do it? Like, I, I don't know. Like, I already wrote it down. It's right there, you know. Uh, but I but I take the point. And I'm, I'm amazed that that many people get over that hump and actually do it. But I guess it's probably eventually because someone gave you the the recommendation, right? Like, you think, like, I asked them and they said this. They wouldn't have just said it for no reason. Well, I feel like it was because I wasn't seeing good enough results myself. Like, I was like okay, I've been at this for this long and I'm, my numbers are still not what I want and I'm still having trouble. And I'm, and so I was like, okay, I've taken in all the stuff the doctor said okay. and I've been putting it to use and it's only working so well. So I was like, now I'm ready to like hear some more stuff to try and incorporate and get things lower. It makes sense. Like you want to level up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're like, well, let me see if I can figure out a little more. That's terrific. Yeah. Were you thwarted at all, like, or put off by the fact that I'm not, that I don't have diabetes? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, because once I, you know, heard your background and it's obvious how knowledgeable you are. So I was okay that you're a quote unquote layman mm. um, <laughs> from a having diabetes perspective. But um, yeah, no, I, I, as, I read and see so many of the parents, you know, having to figure out so many things for their children. And so, yeah. Yeah. So you, that's a lot. You have um, an anemia diagnosis too. Mm -hmm. Is that part of, is that a food absorption thing? Or do you think that's a bleeding thing? Do you know where that came from? No, I don't know. And so I'm, I'm thinking, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking the gastroparesis that I'm hearing a lot of episodes mentioned that that might be me because I've definitely had trouble with, especially during lows. Like if I've eaten and I have a low, say an hour later, like trying to put more into me really hard. And uh, oftentimes I will throw up reflexively, like I'm too full. And so that was always a bit of a struggle managing those was like, trying to put food into me when I'm already full or really full mm-hmm. and I just can't and then I more. throw it up because my stomach's like no no more and then I would get like x-rays and they would be like don't eat three hours before and I wouldn't and they'd be like we see food in your stomach did you eat and I was like no I haven't eaten for three hours like you said like okay next time don't eat for four hours and then I don't eat for four hours and then they're like we see food in your stomach I'm like I don't know what to do you told me not to eat for I didn't did so you- I probably need to see a GI. Before you go take that step, did you listen to the episode about Arden's like digestion? It's called Art. Yeah. Just try, trust me, just try a digestive enzyme at every meal for a week and a half. And and you'll see, if if you don't, you might see things move quick, 
through you more quickly, more efficiently, and your insulin worked more the way you expect it to. And if that's the case, then you're like, you know, that's the other thing that like, it's the one thing we don't talk a lot about. Like people are like, oh, your pancreas, all its job is insulin. It doesn't do that anymore. Your, your pancreas helps with your digestion too. Mm-hmm. And if it's, and for a lot, I think a lot of people with autoimmune diabetes, they, they're seeing slow or poor digestion and they can get in that space where they're like, oh, it's gastroparesis, but in the more, you know, in the diabetic, you know, uh, parlance of the word. And so, yeah, just, it's such an easy way to try just to see if that, if that helps you. So, yeah. And I did get, I got her digestive enzymes. So oh my I God. You did? I just, <laughs> you haven't taken them? Well, okay. Uh, it, Casey, stop. It's so, just I know. Them. It's so hard. I, my iron pills, all the pills, it's so hard. And so I do sometimes remember. It's like remembering mm. and doing it consistently. I'm going to get your mom the, to yell at you about this. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? I'm exactly her now. I'm like, take those pills I got you from the health food store. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Uh, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he, she does send me supplements. Mm-hmm. I, I'm t- this is, I'll tell you, that's what made it so hard to talk about a little bit. Because mm-hmm. you do feel like, like even the lady who helped me at the health food store the first time, I was like, I don't think this lady shaved her underarms in 10 years. And she <laughs> smells like patchouli oil. And like, what is it, 1976 in here? Like, what am I mm-hmm. doing? But man, she knew what she was talking about. You know? Mm-hmm. So, what the hell? Yeah. I mean, if yeah, you have them, take them, for God's sakes. Please. And somewhere along the way, so I was also diagnosed with lupus um, in my early 20s. And when that happened, I went to see a holistic doctor who it, it felt like was not a quack kind of mm-hmm. doctor. And so one of the things like um, she said, you know, you have autoimmune can, you know, you have this autoimmune diagnosis. And the big thing that she that I did do that she said was like, stop drinking milk. Like she's like milk. A lo- for a lot of people, every time you drink milk, like a cell in your gut bleeds. Um, and we're just lactose intolerance is, is very high among especially minorities. Okay. So um, I did stop drinking milk um, around that time. And then she also was like, here are, I mean, she gave me like seven supplements. <laughs> you, need, you need to be taking CoQ10. You need to be taking... Like I, it was a bunch of things. Um, and so, and I did find that I felt, I felt better when I would do that, but it was also like a lot to keep up with. And so eventually mm-hmm. I kind of, yeah. but well, every once in a while I go back. And sometimes it's hard when somebody's, you're in an office and somebody's like, you should try this. We sell them. You're like, uh Oh, all right. I see. I got you. I take too much already. It's hard to keep up with all the things I need to do. Yeah. I mean, I can just tell you from a very basic perspective, Arden had trouble with digestion. Her stomach hurt and, you know, her insulin was working all kinds of weird ways. And, you know, you're just like, this doesn't seem right. And it kind of came out of nowhere. And Mm -hmm. it felt like it came out of nowhere. But then you stop thinking about it and you're like, God, her stomach's always hurt. Like, like, and not always, but since the diabetes, but she's been so young since she was diagnosed, like, how would we know the difference? And it's yeah. just, it's just such a simple little, like, screw to turn just to see, you know, and you don't have to do it for long to know, to see if you're getting, like, 
value from it either. So as long mm-hmm. as you're pooping and you're taking that, <laughs> like, because you don't want to be backed up. But if, if you're taking those things and it's coming out the other side the way you expect, um, you'll know if it's helping you in pretty short order. Okay. Yeah. All right. Jeez, I can't believe this. I don't, I don't, I don't, it's late in the afternoon. I don't want to be somebody's parent today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the other fun thing that I haven't mentioned yet is that um, my my best friend growing up also got diagnosed with Lada. Real? Like as an adult? Yeah. You guys live near a power line or something? What was going on there? No, I was like, I want to reach out to everyone from high school and be like, were you diagnosed with Lada? <laughs> Hey, did you have the well water too? Because <laughs> I was like, oh my God, like we, we've been best friends since like sixth grade. Huh. And she was diagnosed a few years before me, but she, hers is like, I don't know, less severe. Like she only takes long acting. She doesn't need short acting. Yet. Um, yet. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. And when, when I was diagnosed, it was like, oh, you need all the things. So, um, but like she gave me my insulin shots at my wedding Um, so it's nice that I have someone close who, who knows the struggle too. Yeah. No, that must be lovely actually. Um, do you talk a lot about it? Uh, not a lot because, you know, we're, we're in our forties and we're busy. And Mm. so we only connect every, you know, once a month maybe, but when we do, we do usually, you know, Oscar, oh, how's it going with, with the diabetes and, or I'll tell her about what my new thing is that I'm doing like Omnipod next time I chat with her. And yeah. Yeah. And then I also found out the guy I had a crush on in high school also had type one and I had no idea. Maybe you're the problem. You might be patient zero. <laughs> All these people. <laughs> are, you, are, you, are you doing this to people, Casey? <laughs> You giving people diabetes? Because uh, I like I posted about it on Facebook when I got it, and then he reached out and said, and I was like, I had no idea you had diabetes did he, did at he all. Did he know you and liked he him? Did it well. Yeah, oh yeah, I had a crush on him for years in high school. But he, <laughs> but he knew it. But you guys didn't date. Oh no, 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 no. Oh, okay. Hold on, just for fun. Why not? Oh well, I, I mean, I had a boyfriend at one point in high school and then I was too shy to say anything and I don't think he liked me so oh we were we're just facebook friends now that were old like cuz we went to the same high school we were both on the track team together and that's how I formed a crush but I was never going to tell anyone I had a crush on that I had a crush on them. but but you believe he knew oh no 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 oh, he didn't you, know oh he doesn't know oh this no. is fantastic oh no 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 oh i love this I don't know no. why. I don't know why that's so good to me. For some no, reason. I've never told him that. <laughs> that way back when I have, but he reached out when he saw my post to be like, "Oh, I've been living with type one since I was little." Tell me, and I was like, "I had no idea." Yeah, but tell me, you're married and you're like, you're oh yeah, 40 now. oh yeah. When no. he reaches out to say, "Oh my god, I have type one too," was there a little bit of you like, "Oh my god, it's the guy from track." <laughs> he still knows me. Yeah, yeah. no, <laughs> I mean, it was like, oh wow. No, and it was this thing, it, it's something in, so I I'll, I grew up always thinking about him, that he had, like, there was a profound sadness. Really? Yeah, that he had, and I didn't know where it came from, but I wonder now that he said, oh, I, I've had type 1 since I was a kid, I wonder if that was part of it. 
Casey, were you trying to save that boy? Was that, <laughs> were you like, oh, well, I, no. could, I could help no, him? Probably, probably. <laughs> That's like my personality, so. Uh-huh. Trust me. You'd, been sent, you'd be sending him supplements if he would have said yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh, my God. Well, that's really interesting, isn't it? That you, I, I don't know why I find that so, like, just interesting. It makes me think of every pretty girl I went to school with. <laughs> like, and, and then you're just like, oh, I remember everybody loved that girl. And mm-hmm. like, and, or that guy, like every girl was looking for that guy or vice versa or whatever. And then you see them now as adults and like some of them, you're like, I get it. Like, I still get it, you know? And then uh-huh. some of them, you're like, Ooh, whoops. <laughs> what was I thinking? Used it all up early. Did you? Oh yeah. yeah, I, yeah. Well, I was the girl that had a crush on everybody, like literally everybody. Uh, so okay. I was non-discriminating. <laughs> Just didn't matter. I see the good and all. That's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> you said you just got married. Is that your first marriage? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You waited on purpose, looking for the right uh, guy? Yeah. Dated a lot, but just hadn't found the right one. And then and then I, we were best friends for like three years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he asked me on a trip. And we went, and the rest is history. Yeah. If you could afford vacations, I'm in. That's good. That's what I would be thinking. I'd be like, a trip. Goddamn right. Let's go. <laughs> so, but I, I, I applaud the waiting. Like, I, I like that. Like, I like the don't just marry the first person who stops in front of you. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, no, no. That feeling. That's very cool. Uh, is there anything we haven't talked about that we should have? No. No? Probably not. I don't think so. I mean, there's lots more that I could talk about, but. Yeah. But nothing that needs to be talked Not, about. Well, uh, that need and want are the same thing. I don't want to, I, I just don't <laughs> want to miss anything because it's your story, you know, and I, and I, I want to make sure that somewhere in between you telling your story and me being silly that we get to things that are important to you um, <laughs> and me telling stories about people being boring on YouTube and how delighted I was by it. I mean, it's a real look <laughs> into my illness, but I, just, I have to go back and tell you again, when he said, the problem is it's boring. And then he went on to be boring. I don't know. Like, if you, you know everything you need to know about me, I giggled yeah. for 10 minutes while it was happening. <laughs> it's just like, I'm like, oh, my God, it's still happening. My wife's like, shut up. I'm like, no, wait, he's still boring the crap out of me. <laughs> Probably such a lovely person. Like, I feel. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I love people. It's, they don't know. They don't know. Mm. It's hard to do this. Yeah. Like, do, do yeah. you, the thing you do at work. Is it scripted or are you driving it? Or do you let no, them talk and then edit around their Yeah, that's what it, it's it's like we have some general questions and but we just let them talk and then once we get the transcript, then we kind of start piecing it together and figuring out how do we tell this? Mm-hmm. How do we tell this story? So more yeah. like more like a uh more like a PBS style podcast feeling. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. But also, you know, there's time constraints. Like, like oh, you got to tell it in five minutes or less. So wow. no, it's not, <laughs> not too PBS. I did I did one of those podcasts once. It was, for, it was for a UK podcast, and they wanted to interview me. It was about parent. It was a parenting thing. Like, oddly enough, all the things I'm ever interviewed about have nothing to do with diabetes. It's always very, yeah. you know. <laughs> so they're like, you know, they sit down and we have these long conversations. Must have gone on for a half an hour. The person would ask a question. I'd pontificate. Like, the, but it went back and forth. And then I heard it. And I don't know that I didn't talk for maybe 25 seconds. 
And mm. but they somehow picked out the exact thing they needed to put in that exact space. And I was like, wow, that's a skill. That's an editing skill because I, mm. as you can all probably imagine, just talked forever, you know, like, <laughs> and, and not just, and I'm not like direct. I tell stories to make points and, you know, yeah. like, like all this stuff, but they loved it. And they were like, this is, this is exactly what we need. And I was like, okay. But then they didn't need more than 20 seconds here and 10 seconds there and stuff like that. It's interesting how they did. Oh it. yeah. No, we always get way more. I mean, I just did an interview a week, a couple of weeks ago it was an hour, an hour long interview and I have to edit it down to five minutes or less. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I um, when my book came out, it's so funny. I'm now mentioning this twice, and I don't mean to. Um, I got uh, people. I don't know. People wouldn't know this, but if you're not famous, and I am certainly not, if you're not famous and you write a book, your publisher doesn't really help you sell the book very much. I know that sounds mm. strange, but they don't. And so I got myself some media, and that media led to. Katie Kirk's online producer reaching out to me. I'm in this studio in New York City. It's actually where they do the CBS News, I think, is where we shot it. But the news, the news wasn't until later in the day. So everything's kind of pushed off. It's so cool. Like this, this, the news stage is just pushed off into a corner mm-hmm. and they're shooting this web show. But at the same time, there are 20 or 30 desks of people who work for CBS who are literally just doing their job in that space. Yeah. And it was going to be, uh, this gentleman was going to get interviewed. I forget about what. And then it was me. So I was kind of in the wings while he was doing it. And I I have to give this guy like a ton of credit for a lot of my life, even though I don't know who he is. And he didn't really do it on purpose. But he gave this very competent interview that when it ended, I thought, well, that's so forgettable. I'm not going to be forgettable when I talk to Miss Kirk in a second. Okay. And yeah. so the next thing I know, I'm up there telling stories about this time my wife and I were having sex in a field and a commuter train went by really slow and everyone could see us. And like, but you know, like I just like, I told big stupid stories. stories. Like she's <laughs> like, so you're an author. She tries to bring it back. And I'm like, oh my God, yeah, I got a book signing. And she's like, you had a book signing? I'm like, in my hometown. I was like, I was so excited. My wife stayed home that day uh, to help me because the book signing was in the afternoon, got the kids off to school. And I came back into the bedroom and I was like, this seems like the kind of day a guy like me would get to have sex, right? Because like I wrote a book and I got a book signing and she's like, Katie Kirk is looking at me like, what in the hell are we doing? I'm like, so anyway, Katie, I jump into bed. I'm very exuberant and excited, but I think I hit my wife's <laughs> nipple by mistake, kind of pinch it to the bed. You know what I'm talking about. And I'm telling this big, <laughs> right, this big, dumb story. And she's laughing and everyone working in the desks is laughing. The guy running the camera's laughing. The producer's laughing. And I am just like. I, this is why famous people are crazy. I'm like, I feel terrific <laughs> about like how I'm manipulating these people's like life and they're laughing and everything. Anyway, it gets all done. She's like, like telling me stories afterwards. By the way, I, I'm going to say this right here. I've never said it before. What a dirty mouth on a lady. I love Katie Kirk. You'd have no idea by watching her on TV. She is hilarious, right? So we're talking mm-hmm. afterwards and everything. And about a week later, I get this note from her producer and she's like, hey, you know, the thing's up now. And I go and look at it and it's like four minutes long and none of my stories are in there. And I got back to her and I'm like, I'm so sorry. Did I let you down? She goes, oh, are you kidding me? She goes, that video is famous in this building. She's like, we are all watching it on our on our computers. 
She's like, it's never going to make it into the thing, though. She goes, yeah, we can't use it, but we can we can watch it. She's like, but it's terrific. Thank you. And I'm like, oh, OK. But then, you know, a couple of weeks later, they called me back and actually had me on our television show. They were in a meeting and they said, we should get that guy back from that thing. And actually, oh. Katie Couric said that in a meeting. She said, why? This is a quote. The girl's like, I wrote it down for you. She said, I was just in a meeting with Katie. And she said, why are we not getting Scott Benner for this? Oh, hey. And I was like, see, they didn't ask for the other guy because he was competent Mm -hmm. and boring. Yeah, you were memorable. (laughs) I was like, let me tell you, Katie, about this time. (laughs) She's just looking (laughs) at me like, is this not about parenting? And I'm like, not anymore, honey. I'm here. Let's go. (laughs) Anyway. You're going to go in all kinds of directions. (laughs) If it wasn't for that guy going before me, I would have done the same thing he did. Okay. Swear to God, I was all ready. I would have gone up there and gave her dry answers to canned questions, and it would have been forgettable. And I, yeah, no, we do like colorful stuff. Yeah. And then she doesn't invite me back. And then the time she invites me back is when she pulls me aside after it's over and she says, You're so good at talking to people. And that's, that's what made me make a podcast. So, and that's also part of why I wanted to come on the podcast, besides the helping people. I was like, it, be really cool to talk to Scott. Oh, that's lovely. You're too nice. Um, <laughs> was it cool? Yes, of course. Uh, of course. Don't say of course. <laughs> you don't think I botch a couple of these once in a while? <laughs> Could have been yours. <laughs> I just I was the other I was just last night texting with with Isabel, who helps me with the Facebook group and other things. And one of the things I texted her, I was like, hey, have I ever told this story in the podcast? This is a really good story. And I want to tell this. She goes, you've told that on the podcast. I'm like, are you kidding me? And she goes, yeah. I'm like, are you sure? She goes, you absolutely have told this one. I was like, what about this one? And she goes, you've never said that. I'm like, well, I'm going to say that one day. (laughs) She's like, she's like, what is this story about? And I said, oh, you'll have to hear it on the podcast. I'm like, I can't tell it all to you here. But the long and the short of it is, though, Casey, is that one summer, I tasked myself with making up two words and working them into conversations. I spent months doing it until one day I actually got a person to use the word. (laughs) And that was it. I stopped. I was just like, oh, I won. (laughs) (laughs) That was all I needed. I never told them. Like, I just... (laughs) <laughs> I just kept using this word in in this certain context, and to then w- one day they used it. And she's like, okay. is that really a story for the podcast? I'm like, it might not be. <laughs> like I started a thing. Yeah. How about the time I flew to Albany with Stuttering John from the Howard Stern Show in a private plane? No, I've never told that one. One day. Not today, <laughs> Casey, though. Not today. My God. All right. Well, I appreciate you doing this very much. Um, it was nice of you to take the time. And you were very kind and uh, you let me move the time so I could go to a doctor's appointment with my wife today. And I, I, I really appreciate that, too. Thank you. Sure, of course. No problem. Cool. Hold on one second for me. A huge thanks to Casey for coming on the show and sharing her story. You're definitely going to want to check out the private Facebook group, Juice Box Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes. There's over 43,000 members, and right now there's a conversation going on that you could add to, learn from, or may just enjoy looking in on. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone else who you think might also enjoy it. And no matter where you're listening, even if it's not Apple Podcasts, can you please check to make sure you're subscribed or following 
and that your player is set up to download new episodes. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juice Box Podcast. And if you're interested in that information about BetterHelp, hold on for one second. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service and is 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. BetterHelp.com forward slash juicebox. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. And when you use my link, you'll save 10% on your first month of therapy. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. Talk to them however you feel comfortable, text, chat, phone, or video call. If your therapist isn't the right fit, for any reason at all, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. And the best part for me is that with BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you. And you're going to get more scheduling flexibility and a more affordable price. BetterHelp.com forward slash juice box. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash juice box. Save 10% on your first month of therapy.